to me please to Colossians and to read from Colossians 3 from verse 12 this is the word of God therefore as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect, uni in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So reads God's precious word. For the past couple of Sundays we have been looking just a little bit longer at our text for the year from Colossians 4 which calls us to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful, being thankful and to pray that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. And we saw a couple of weeks ago the need for persevering prayer. That's the devotion to prayer part. Last week we looked at effective evangelism, an open door of opportunity in order to proclaim Christ and of how the one actually follows from there. Because brothers and sisters, we will never be effective in our evangelism if we are not persevering in prayer. There is no revival in the history of Christianity that was not birthed in prayer. And what I want to do this morning is to consider the third point that we looked at when I preached the text on the 1st of January, and that is winsome witnessing. In verse 6 of chapter 4, it's not on the prayer card, but, but we kind of touched on it in the 1st of January, but in verse 6 of chapter 4, Paul says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I guess if we are all honest, there are times when our conversations are not as graceful as they should be. When as salt should do, it hasn't added flavor. When we've not been able to answer. And, and it's important that we don't, as it were, kind of 
ourselves up when it goes wrong, but rather that we learn from it. I think I have learned more from mistakes that I've made than, than anything else. And to be winsome in our witnessing, that is to be attractive, charming, cheerful, pleasant. That's what winsome means. Is no easy task. <laughs> yet, yet it is what, brothers and sisters, we are called to be. And I want to suggest that it is possible. And I want to encourage each one of you to embrace these three things. The persevering prayer, the effective evangelism, and the winsome witnessing. So turn to the passage that we read earlier from Colossians 3. And, and let me share from that three things that I believe will help us towards being winsome in our witnessing. They all center on the Lord Jesus. And if you notice carefully, we, we read there about the peace of Christ, the word of Christ, and the name of Christ. <coughs> and keeping these three things central will, I am convinced, make us winsome, not just in our witnessing, but in our day-to-day -day living. And people will notice. It says, let people see your good deeds. Why? So that they may glorify your Father in heaven. As I've said before, how we live as Christians in this day and age really does matter. matter. And very often, people will watch us with their eyes long before they will ever listen to us with their ears. In the previous verses, Paul Paul has been outlining how, on, how, sorry, as God's chosen people, of how we are holy and loved and, and, and kind of what a status and standing we have as Christians, holy and loved. But he's been outlining how we are to live. And yes, the context, particularly of verses 12 and following, appear to be addressing relationships to other believers. But there are also characteristics that we should show to everybody. Compassion. Kindness. Humility. Gentleness. Patience. Forgiveness. Love. That's hard, isn't it? And I would argue strongly that when that kind of living is seen within a fellowship by those on the outside, that is not only a winsome witness, but it is a powerful witness. But how can it be achieved? Well, in as much as we keep these three things, the peace of Christ, the word of Christ, and the name of Christ, at the very, very core of all that we seek to do. So let's look at them. Firstly, Christ's peace. Do you notice what Paul says there? Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And that speaks to me of us making a choice. He says, let the peace 
Not just any peace, it is the peace of Christ. Paul says, let it, allow it to ruin your hearts. Imagine if we went down into the town centre with a clipboard and kind of asked people to kind of grade what they thought the world needed today and different things. And in their own individual and home situations, I imagine that peace and the pursuit of it would rate very, very highly. I think peace and the pursuit of peace is one of people's greatest desires. You look around, as I said in my prayer to earlier on, you look around. You look around our communities, you look around our nation, you look around our country, you look around our world. And there seems to be strife and animosity and division. Yet as Christians, we can know and indeed we already have that peace of Christ. Do you recall Jesus' words in John 14 to his disciples? Words that, that I believe that we can take for ourselves if we know and trust Jesus Christ. Jesus said this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give it as the world gives. The world says peace, peace when there is no peace. Jesus says, I don't give you it as the world gives. You see that? He, he's already given it to us. That's why I said we choose to let it rule. It's already there. But here's a question, does it rule? Does the peace of Christ rule in your heart? Or do the fears and the worries and the uncertainties of tomorrow rob you of it? When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. Or when sorrows like sea billows roll. Thou hast taught me to say it's well with my soul. In the good times and in the bad times, in the easy times and in the difficult times, does that peace of Christ dwell? Knowing and following and trusting Jesus brings a peace that even in the most terrible of situations that this world and those outside know nothing about. It's also a very powerful witness to those watching on. I've often witnessed people, particularly nearing the end of life, perhaps struggling, and yet they just know that peace. Or people that are going through a really difficult time and someone will say, how can you be so at peace when this is going on? How can you be at peace? It's the peace of Christ. And when that is portrayed, brothers and sisters, it should and it is indeed winsome. It is attractive. And it is a powerful witness. 
And that peace, that peace that rules in our hearts individually, will, should, must, also rule within the fellowship of God's people. The peace of Christ, if allowed, if you let, rule. It will characterize relationships within the church. Internal harmony in any church fellowship is critical. It is vital. And I say that as someone who came through a very painful church division. And we should do all that we can with every fiber of our being to work. Yes, work it is hard work to keep that peace and to keep that unity and never for one nanosecond take it for granted. And to act in a Christ-like way when it appears to be in danger. Romans 14 verse 9. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace. God in his grace and in his sovereign will has called us to live together in peace. And a church that is not at peace church that has one faction here and another there and another there, it does not honor Christ or his gospel and its evangelism and its witnessing will be all the poorer, be non-existent. Paul is clear. We are one body. We have been called to peace. And may the peace of Christ continually rule in our hearts individually and in this fellowship collectively. Then notice what Paul adds at the end of verse 15. Did you notice? He says, and be thankful. <laughs> Thankfulness is so important. Indeed, if you look at each of these verses, 15, 16, 17, you will see it appears in all three. Here in verse 15 he says, and be thankful. Then in verse 16 he speaks of gratitude, gratitude in your hearts. And in verse 17 he speaks of giving thanks. We have so much to be thankful for. Yes, it's true there are times when we struggle with, with issues and situations. Yes, there are times, there are events, there are situations that can and do make us feel less than thankful. And what do we do in these situations? We don't ignore them because it's reality. However, what I have found in these situations is that I go to the book of the Psalms. Because there in the Psalms you see even when the psalmist began from the most hopelessness of situations, 
And he takes time just to consider all that God has done. He works his way through. And just about every psalm that that happens, apart from Psalm 86, I think it is, it ends in an attitude of thanksgiving. And it all centers, brothers and sisters, on the peace of Christ. There's one of the, the hymns and the mission prayers that picked up this morning, and it says this, Peace, perfect peace, in this dark world of sin, the blood of Jesus whispers, Peace, within. Do you know that peace? That amidst everything you're able to say it is well, it is well with my soul. It's a powerful thing and it's a winsome thing to those watching on. Christ, peace, peace of Christ, Christ's word, the word of Christ. What does Paul mean by the word of Christ? Well, surely it refers to the teachings of and the message about Jesus. It refers to that which has once and for all been entrusted to the saints. I guess it is what we would call today the proclamation of God's word. For in it we have all the wealth of God's wisdom. We have in it all that we need, as Paul says here, to teach and to admonish. We actually don't need anything else other than what is contained here from Genesis to Revelation. That was Paul's argument back in chapter 2 of Colossians. Some people in Colossians are saying, but Jesus, you know, is okay, but you need Jesus and. Paul says, no, you don't. Jesus is supremely sufficient. We don't need special visions. We don't need new teachings or anything else. We have all that we need here. And brothers and sisters, we need to let it dwell richly within us. Now, for something to dwell anywhere, it needs to be taken in. And Paul is directing us, as it were, to drink in God's word, to feed upon it to allow it to, to nourish us, indeed for it to abide within us. That's why for me the, the proclamation of God's word has got to be central to all that we do. That's why I systematically preach through a book or as we sometimes do a character study or a particular themed series because this is all that we need. We live in a day and age when some would say the preaching and proclamation of God's word is old hat. People don't want to listen to it. It's outdated. It's irrelevant. Paul says, let this word. He says, let. There's a choice again. Let this word dwell in you richly. If something dwells somewhere there's a kind of kind of at home homely feeling about it isn't there how at home are you 
was the word of Christ. Are you dwelling on it? Is it dwelling in you? Or actually, are you just an occasional visitor to it? Dust my Bible down, bring it out on a Sunday. Are you dwelling in it? Is it dwelling in you? And again, this isn't just for individual Christians. This is, this is for the whole church. And, and, it, and it's God's word. It's the word of Christ. The Bible. And it needs to dwell richly, both individually and corporately. So find it interesting, as I was reading this week, that, that Paul links our attitude to the word of Christ to our worship. Do you notice that? Verse 16, to our times of praise. A good song, as I've said very often, a good song is not so much to do with the tune, helps, but as the words. And we need to be careful about what we sing. Because our songs need to be based on Scripture. Notice the line that Paul says here. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you admonish and as you sing. And Paul allows for all kinds of songs, hymns and psalms. See, we must never separate the word of God from the praise of God. Or we're on shaky ground. And as one writer has said, a singer has no more right to sing a lie than a preacher has to preach a lie. We sing from within. We sing from experience. And we can only sing about a saviour if we truly know a saviour. And singing, like preaching, is going to be part of what we do. But a balance has got to be right. But did you notice again that we are to do it with gratitude in our hearts to God? That is, our worship and our praise should be marked with joy, with gratitude. Yes, we're not always kind of happy. Some of us come to church with, 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 with heavy burdens and cares and worries, events and situations of life. But life's not always a bed of roses. And in some ways, our worship and our praise also needs to acknowledge that. Because you see, God is with us and as with us as much in our joys as in our sorrow. As I said earlier, the Psalms speak so often of that. I feel I kind of maybe strayed just a little. But brothers and sisters, these things are important. And a church and an individual that knows the ruling of the peace of Christ and the dwelling of the word of Christ will be winsome in its witnessing. The world will notice. 
finally, much more quickly, we also notice in the name of Christ. Paul in verse 17 kind of pulls it all together. Uh, and it's quite really simple to understand what he says here, isn't there? And then preachers usually go on and complicate it. But, but you know, look, look what he says. Whatever you do, kind of covers everything. What were you do? Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So there isn't anything, if we're a follower of Jesus, there isn't anything that we do, there isn't anything that we say that we don't do in Jesus' name. If we're a Christian, we bear his name. We are Christ's ones. It's interesting to know that the word Christian, as far as I could see, kind of only appears, I think it's three times in the New Testament. And it was originally given as a term of contempt. But it suddenly, I'm sorry, it slowly became one of honor. There were often times my dad would say, are you really going to dishonor the name of the family? We bear Christ's name. It speaks of our identity. We are followers of Jesus. We are his representatives. So whatever we do, and whatever we say, and, and wherever we go, we do so as ambassadors of him. It's a huge privilege. It's also a tremendous responsibility. Everything we do, everything. And we do it in Jesus' name. We do it as unto him because it's him and him alone that unites us. You see, ultimately, we can only all be one in him. There, there might be other things that, that we agree with. There might be other things that we kind of like, you know, we might few of you were along at Elgin City yesterday and now you were in a little fellowship, a group of people. But we're not all like that. But we're all one in Christ. It's him who unites us as a strap line for Keswick reminds us all one in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, let's seek to honour his name and everything that we do. That name which is above all names. That name which is so sweet in a believer's ear. That name in whom we have the victory. And as we do as we do whatever we do, notice again how Paul speaks of giving thanks. 
we serve Jesus not out of duty, but out of delight. Winsome witnessing requires these three things. Christ's peace ruling in our hearts. Christ's word dwelling in our hearts. And all our serving done in Christ's name. As we conclude this short little series on our text for the year. Persevering prayer. Effective evangelism, winsome witnessing. Brothers and sisters, may we devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you won't just wash over us. We pray that each one of us will look into the mirror that is your word. And Lord, that we would let, we would allow that peace of Christ and that word of Christ to live, to dwell. And that whatever we do, we would do it all in the name of Christ and for the glory of God. Lord, will you help us, each one individually and collectively, to persevere in prayer, to be effective in evangelism and to be winsome in our witness. We pray this in Jesus' name.